Hey guys, thank you so much for listening or watching our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would like to invite you to support us by leaving us a review. Let us know how you have been encouraged by each one of the stories that you have listened here. Also leaving us your feedback. You can also help by following us on social media on Instagram and Facebook or by liking or commenting on our post and also by sharing with your friends and family. Also, don't forget to subscribe on our podcast and YouTube channel. Another way that you can also help us is financially by visiting our Patreon page by going on the link here on the description. And again, in my mindset, it's like, well, I guess if I'm a if I'm a Christian, I should be reading my Bible. So this is all going down, right? And I'm I start going home and I'm reading cover to cover. So I start in the Old Testament, which is like the hardest place to start. <laughs> and I read my entire Bible cover to cover in six months. And between what I was being taught and what I read, God saved me. I realized I had I had made this God to be what I wanted. And I didn't actually understand that he's holy and awesome. And I was an enemy, that I I was a traitor and I deserved hell. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us again to another episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. Today we have another special guest and she is actually in Idaho and we were able to connect through social media. She's been one of our faithful listeners and followers of our podcast and we're very grateful that we get to hear her testimony today. Again, remember uh, uh, ways that you can get involved with us and just supporting us is by following on social media, subscribing to our podcast and our YouTube channel. You can find the link in our bio on Instagram or Facebook. And remember that we also have a Twitter account where you can follow us. So you can find that on the same link on our profile. To get to our Instagram page, you can just visit the link here on the description. And we will really appreciate if you guys leave us a review that will help us to just Whenever someone is just searching for a podcast, they will know that this is a solid podcast, that it's here just to honor and glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. And it will help them to know whether or not this is a good podcast that they should be listening to. Thank you so much, guys. And well, here is my conversation with Lisa. Here with Lisa, she is one of those sweet followers that I've been able to connect through social media And I'm very, very excited to just to get to know her more and see how the Lord has been working in her life. And it's still working, right? Because we're like work in progress. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, but welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me. And Lisa actually lives in Idaho. We were just talking about this. So (laughs) we're doing this this podcast through Zoom. Praise the Lord for Zoom has been very handy. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, Lisa. So I will have uh, I will have you just to kind of give us a little uh, background about you, about you, uh, about your life growing up, and your family, and you just take it from there. Yeah, great. Well, I'm Lisa, and uh, born and raised up here in the Northwest, and I was uh, an only child. Normal family, mom and dad. Um, we went to church for Christmas and Easter. Uh, That was it. That was the extent of my religious background until I hit junior high. And because my parents were raised Lutheran, uh, they sent me to, I guess it was like a Lutheran 
confirmation type of a thing. And so I had to memorize stuff uh, and I was confirmed. And that was the end of that. Um, when I was in high school, uh, my grandmother passed away and it was kind of the uh, instigator for my parents to uh, seek, I think, uh, healing in that. And through that, they came to know the Lord. So in high school, we started going to church and I liked it because the youth group was a lot of fun. And at 16, I went to church camp. I got on a school bus, drove to Big Sky, Montana, <laughs> was there for a whole week. And um, towards the end of the week, they had us uh, sit out on this grassy field by the river. And they were telling us about who God was and Jesus. And they said, um, you know, if you would like to be saved, raise your hand, say a prayer, ask Jesus into your heart. And that's what I did. And then I got on the school bus to come home and got my first boyfriend and continued on then for the next 26 years, basically uh, making a profession because I had prayed a prayer and I was, there was no heart change. I did not love God. I pretty much spent the next 26 years, like really I was pretty morally bankrupt. I didn't have a problem with stealing, lying, drinking, any of those things. And that went on. My dad is, uh, my mom ended up in the middle of that. My mom did pass away um, from cancer and my dad continued to pray for me. He prayed for me for 26 years for me to get saved. But yeah, so that's kind of how my life went in my early twenties. I got married to the first guy that asked and uh, we had a, a sweet son together and then we got divorced. That's when my mom passed away. And then I just continued to go on about my life the way I always had. Um, I met my my husband, Travis, and uh, we got together. We ended up getting married and having children. And all the while, I would still say I was a Christian. Uh, I would go to uh, different revivals or different things. I don't know if you remember, there were men with uh, phone books. They're big, muscly guys, and they would like talk about Jesus, and they'd rip them in half on the stage and have an altar call. And I would go forward to any altar call just to make sure it stuck because I just wasn't sure. Anyway, I remember um, we had had our house built, and in my head, I still called myself a Christian. Mm. I figured God was okay with how I lived my life. He put me here. He put me in my surroundings, and so He's all forgiving and all loving, and that's the cuddly God that I had created for myself. And yet there was something in the back of my mind that I, I did not have assurance and I didn't have that confidence that I really was saved. We had a new neighbor and her name was Barbara. And I remember her and I were talking one afternoon and I said, Barb, how do you know for sure that you're saved? And she said, you know, and I said, well, I don't know. She goes, well, that's a problem. From there, it kind of nagged at me. And I thought, well, if I'm, a, if I'm a Christian, I should go to a Bible study. So I kind of went through a period of like, if I'm a Christian, I should do this. Mm-hmm. So I found a Bible study in town and I went to it and I, I didn't really care for it. I didn't like it. And I mm-hmm. came home and she's like, well, why don't you come with me to my Bible study? I happened to be at a local mega church and I'm like, Sure. Right. 
So I went and I sat at this table. It was kind of set up where you have homework and you all go through your homework. And then after that, you go into lecture and then a lady uh, would break down, you know, whatever the scriptures were. So we're sitting there and I remember looking around the table and all these ladies were really nice, but they were very different from me. They were not, they, they just were different. And I I couldn't put my finger on it. Went into lecture and it happened to be a two-year study on the book of Genesis. And uh, we were right in the beginning and uh, unbeknownst to me, because I had no idea what the, the significance of this was. Um, I went to this particular church, um, didn't like to make a distinction between um, Armenianism and Calvinism and those kinds of things, which for me, I had no idea what that meant. But this woman was a Calvinist and she believed in teaching expository. So she was really breaking down the scriptures. And, and again, in my mindset, it's like, well, I guess if I'm a, if I'm a Christian, I should be reading my Bible. So this is all going down, right? And I'm, I start going home and I'm reading cover to cover. So I start in the Old Testament, which is like the hardest place to start. <laughs> and I read my entire Bible cover to cover in six months. I devoured wow. it. And between what I was being taught and what I read, God saved me. I realized that I, I, had, I had made this God to be what I wanted. And I didn't actually understand that he's holy and awesome and uh, just so powerful. And I was an enemy that I, I was a traitor and I deserved hell. And I remember one evening I was sitting there with a friend and we were, we were watching a movie and she went home and I, I felt like I felt like I thought in my mind, I thought I wanted to write my testimony, Mm -hmm. but I was really tired. So I went, I went to bed and I got up in the morning. It was still nagging at me. And what I did is I sat in front of my computer and in one hour I typed out six pages of sin, just everything I could think of that I had ever done from uh, my promiscuity to theft to lying to scamming to the guilt that I carried within me for not taking care of my mom at the end when she was dying and um, everything that was just eating me up inside. And it just all came flowing out. And I just sat there sobbing and sobbing in front of the computer. And um, I had always lived very, I had my own identity. I just, I was who I wanted to be before whoever it was. So uh, if I was with um, party people, I was a party girl. If I was with church people, I was a church girl. And for the first time ever, everything fell away. Everything was stripped away. And I, I was free and I was transparent and I just sobbed and sobbed. And I thought, how can a God like this have anything to do with someone like me, how can this ever be forgiven? And <laughs> I kind of giggle about it now, but in the moment it was like surreal. What do you do when you're sitting in front of your computer, but you open up Facebook, right? And there was, I don't even know the song, but there was a song posted and they had the words posted. And it was basically that my sin had been removed from me as far as the East is from the West. 
mm-hmm. and that I was, I was cleansed of all unrighteousness. And I, I was never the same person after that day. I, I just, things just started becoming obvious to me. I remember I was the kind of girl that if there was a way to get away with making a couple of dollars uh, by lying, I had no problem doing it. Mm-hmm. And we had been living in our house for about three years and I needed a new cell phone number um, with the right area code. So I called the cell phone company and I said, hi, I need to get a new cell phone number and a new area code. And uh, I remember the lady saying to me, she's like, oh, did you just move? And it just, yeah, like it just came right out of my mouth. And she's like, okay, great. She goes, because if, if you hadn't, we'd have to charge you $30. I'm like, oh, okay. Our entire conversation, I had this war going on in the back of my mind about I didn't just move and this is not true. And um, we got done with the call. And the second it hung up, I'm like, I can't do it. I called back the 800 number. Mm. <laughs> it was really funny because uh, some guy answered, you know, and I said, you guys need to charge me $30. He's like, what? <laughs> so I explained to him what had happened. And he's like, lady, he goes, this is a call center of thousands of people. I have no idea who you talk to. Enjoy the 30 bucks. And I'm like, no, I need you to charge me. I lied. We've been here for three years. And I just like, I was just like, I, I can't do this. And yeah. so I remember when I hung up that call, I thought, wow, what is, what is going on with me? And um, it was just kind of the beginning of what I saw the changes in me that God was doing and um, things that I loved before drinking and cursing and lying and just obvious things just I had no taste for it. And, and then I started seeing things that I had beliefs on, like I thought it was okay. Um, a woman had a right to choose, right? I would never have an abortion myself, I would say, but I'm, I'm not going to tell somebody they can't. And yet all of a sudden one day I'm like, this is wrong. I'm reading my Bible. I'm like, God hates murder. Abortion's wrong. And just these things, just one after another. And I, yeah, I have not been the same since. Yeah. So you had a, a, a husband before you had, you had someone else in your life. Right. And then you got divorced and then you marry this man. So is he a believer uh, as well? Does he become a believer uh, in the process or, or what was that for, for both of you? Great question. So Travis, my husband uh, grew up in a family that they did not go to church. They didn't go for Christmas or Easter. They didn't go um, anything except for maybe funerals and weddings. Mm-hmm. So he was fine. We actually were going to church um, right after I started that Bible study. We just started going to church because they had Friday night services. And I was like, we can make good friends for our kids. They would have nice people to play with. We wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have to get up early on Sunday because it's Friday night. So all these great justifications. He liked the music and I liked the messages and it's worked out great for us. And um, the Lord saved me and I became acutely aware that my husband isn't saved. And it was a huge burden for me. And um, I would walk around the house with my Bible study homework. And I'd be reading my Bible at him. (laughs) I'd be like, 
you know, and it's like, so following your husband around the house with the Bible, reading it at him is not really an effective form of evangelism. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but what was effective was that he saw the changes in me. I was, he grew up in a family where his mom was more authoritative than his dad. And I felt like I wore the pants in our family. I just, I, I was, I was the boss. And when the Lord saved me, that was, that was a hard thing for me to reconcile. And, um, I had to, I still today have to work hard at being like giving him honor and not just taking over and taking charge. But at that time I was, I was just making leaps and bounds and strides in that area. And he saw that it was through that after about a year of going to church and me reading my Bible at him and uh, evangelizing him the best that I could. (laughs) um, He did, he repented and put his trust in Christ and so we have been growing ever since we stayed in that church for a while mm-hmm. and um, some things transpired and, and we saw that we needed a deeper teaching and we did some research and we ended up at the church that we're at now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been here, it'll be nine years, um, the beginning of March and we have all grown. We have all um, just grown in uh, just a deeper affection and worship and understanding of, of God and his word. And yeah, we've been so thankful for God's grace and bringing us um, salvation, bringing us Mm -hmm. to this church, bringing us to an understanding of what right teaching of his word is and looks like. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned some of the things that the Lord really just changed in your life after you were saved mm-hmm. and just like normal things, right? Like in the world, I, you, you didn't feel like drinking, like you were drinking before or like cursing, like your language changed. So your language mm-hmm. changes, the way that you behave changes. It's like, it's like a full on surgery in our hearts, yeah. but yet even after we become a believer and the Lord changes those things in our, in our life, we're still obviously in the process of sanctification to make us more like Christ. Yeah. Can you think of your own, you know, after coming to Christ, mm-hmm. a new believer, what were some probably of the things that you've struggled most as a, you know, as a Christian and mm-hmm. how did the Lord help you through his word overcome those things? Yeah. yeah. So really good question. I think one of the things I struggled with the most, um, before I was saved and shortly after, and it's still something I have to be mindful of. Uh, I was afraid of everything. Um, I had a huge fear before I was saved of dying. Um, and of anyone around me dying. I remember once there was an accident on I-90, um, between here, between our home and where my husband worked and, he was late coming home and he wasn't answering his cell phone. And I had convinced myself that he was dead. So here I am. I'm not a believer. I think my husband's dead. I'm bawling in the house. When he walks in the door, I'm just like, ah. I'm, I'm, he's like, what is wrong with you? you know? And I was afraid of lightning. Mm-hmm. I had had some real true experiences in the past that, you know, I, I had some valid reasons to at least have a healthy fear of it, but it was an unhealthy fear. And I remember, um, man, I would have to really like work to 
go outside in the middle of a storm. Um, but all those things, I just, I would, I would see them. I, I, I pictured it like opening cupboards and every time I open a cupboard, I'd see something else that is not like of God. And I remember all that fear. And I remember, Lord, you are not, you are not a God of fear. I'm supposed to trust you. I have nothing to fear. And so I, I asked his forgiveness. I asked him to help me with it. Um, and honestly, I, I was so shocked at how kind and merciful he was, um, at how quickly that really fell away from me. I do notice if I am, uh, not consistent in the word, or if I don't, um, tell myself truth rightly that, um, I can easily, uh, default to fear. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is always something that I, I have to keep my eye on. And then the other thing I think that, uh, the Lord is still growing me and always is uh, selfishness. Uh, I think I, I can very easily be, be very self-focused and it works itself out in, you know, my comfort, you know, as my husband paying attention to, you know, it, this is not good for me. And are you going to do something about it type of a thing? And so those are some things that as a husband and wife that we've worked through and um, I still have to be very mindful of. Um, I'm thankful that I have really good friends that know me well and encourage me in the right ways. And, um, and yeah. So praise the Lord. And, um, I also want to mention, uh, go back to something that you mentioned that before you were saved, um, you, you were, you the way that you thought of yourself is like, I'm the boss. And Mm -hmm. when you get married, (laughs) you know, like, and I, I think I've been there. Like I, (laughs) I, I do have a strong personality and I've always thought, you know, like, I am in control and I am the one who's going to lead my life and I'm going to do as I please. But we know that when we do get married, we are to submit to our husbands and we are to, you know, respect them. Mm-hmm. And we live in a society where that is completely opposite to right. uh, to what the word of God says. We have women that know that women is, is, is like women empowerment and right. uh, you got to love yourself and you're like in control of your life and you're like the boss. And that's like kind of like the cultural, uh, mm-hmm. the culture now. And it's so difficult for women nowadays to like see that the word of God is commanding us. You are to submit to your husband's. So why is it, you know, like, how can women fight this culture that we're living in Mm -hmm. and to go back to scripture and really, you know, do the role, play the role that we're supposed to play, that it's not like you're the boss in the house, you're not the head of the house. So how did, you know, can you give us like some just practical ways, but also how did the Lord help you to, you know, to come to the conclusion, like, Hey, maybe I'm not the boss. Like I used to right. think. <laughs> right. I remember when I was first studying Genesis and I was so mad, I was so mad that they were saying that, that, that the woman was supposed to submit to the man, but I couldn't deny it. The more I read, the more it was all over, it is God's design. And so if I believe that this God is powerful enough to speak our world into existence and to, to save me through uh, the sacrifice of his son on the cross, his ways, he's not, his word is true. And so I'm looking at his word and he's saying that, 
this is my design and my design is good. And so um, I think a reminder, one, that this world is messed up and our culture, um, it, it's terrible. And I, I don't know why you could look at it and think, oh, this is the right way. And yet that was where I was. Um, but really it, it's God's word reminding us who he is, that he gives us these things, not as drudgery, but as this is the path to peace and life. And this is what's good for me. I know that if I am tempted to rally against my husband, that, that I'm in the wrong for sure. And, um, I had actually watched a really good sermon from Bodie Bauckham. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> And he had one and he talked about, you know, that, um, my job as a wife, I'm responsible for how I love and submit to my husband. When I face God, that is going to be what I'm responsible for. I'm not responsible for whether or not my husband was right or wrong in a decision. I am responsible for how I, uh, loved Christ by obeying my husband. I, I remember watching that because he said, you know, um, that in Vody way, you know, that he's that that you know, either your husband's going to go to the, the the woodshed or you are, and <laughs> um and and I'm like, I don't want my husband to go to the woodshed, and I don't either. So mm-hmm. I want to help him. And mm-hmm. for me, I know for uh, quite a while, I had a. My husband is a a lot more laid back and a very easygoing kind of guy. And I'm a kind of a, let's make a decision and let's let's do this. Right. And that, that doesn't lend itself to that model. Um, You know, you think of a a man, it's role reversal that he's the go-getter and the other one's the laid back one. So um, I remember my pastor gave, uh, there was a group of us ladies and we were talking about some of this stuff and his advice was very good. And, um, he said that oftentimes we are waiting for our husbands to lead. And in the meantime, if they're not doing what we think needs to be done, then we just do it. And he said that, um, that is circumventing and, um, usurping his authority. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it and after I think we had had it, I think he and I had had like a, my husband and I had had like a, uh, we don't fight, but we have disagreements and we had had a disagreement and he kind of brought it up. He goes, you want me to lead? He goes, but you don't want to follow. And I'm Mm. like, Whoa. And the Lord was gracious to me in this lesson. And we had wanted to go to a conference. I had wanted to go to a conference actually in Montana. Mm. And I asked my husband and if he, if we could go and there were a few couples from the church going And he said, he'd think about it. That was in November. The conference was in February. And so I did my very best. I was praying. I said, Lord, help me to be patient, Hmm. to wait on him. And I didn't ask again. I think January came around and I said, oh, have you considered any more about that? And he said, not really, not yet. I'm like, okay. And I waited. I continued to pray. And I think it was about two weeks before the conference. And I think in my mind, I had pretty much resigned that we weren't going to go, but I held out hope. And one of the ladies going had actually messaged me and said, oh, are you guys going to go? And I said, I, I don't know. And they were looking for someone to watch their kids while they went. And so 
um, I messaged my husband and I said, Oh, I said, someone wanted to know if we could watch their kids um, for the conference. So I just didn't know if you had an answer yet, whether I can say yes to them or if we should make plans the other way. And he responded back and he said, I think we should go to the conference. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Thank you. And we hung up the phone and I just praised God because he helped me um, learn so many lessons in being patient. Mm-hmm. Not that I got to go to the conference, but that it was my patience led to my husband leading. And, mm-hmm. and so through that, um, that is, that was like the biggest lesson. And so um, what I say to ladies who ask me this question is that, we need to remember to support our husbands that we need to be patient and not make the decisions. And if something goes unpaid, if something goes undone um, and our husbands have said that they would take care of it. And, you know, we've done our due diligence to be a good helper and remind them, not just like, you know, (laughs) throw all care to the wind, but if we've been um, diligent and, and in, 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 a, in a kind way, um, and they still don't do it. It's not our job to jump in and do it unless they have asked mm-hmm. us to. And, and then whatever the consequences are, those consequences are our consequences. They are not his. He is not responsible. We are one flesh. We are one unit. And, um, and we, we learn and grow from it together. And yeah. so, yeah, well, and I know I am not very patient. I always, I always, <laughs> I'm like, Lord, <laughs> waiting for me. Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, the, the Lord is still like working that <laughs> in my own life because I always think of like, no, things have to happen now and you have to take action and you just, you just have to do it now. You don't wait. And it's like, sometimes it will require to wait and you know yeah. and it's like like you said the lord will use it for our own sanctification yeah <laughs> for our own growth <laughs> and yeah. i think I, i've been there many times whether with my husband and all the, or other things in my life and it's not it doesn't feel good in the moment does <laughs> <laughs> doesn't feel good <laughs> no. but the end result does feel good and yeah. i it ends again, you know, that God's ways are peace and life and his design for marriage is beautiful. It's, um, it's, it's wonderful and it works and, um, it makes for a happy life as much as you Mm -hmm. can have this side of (laughs) glory. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just also thinking that in the end, the ultimate goal is to honor the Lord. If my goal is that I want behavior change for my, from my husband, that is not the right motivation. That's Mm -hmm. simple. The Mm -hmm. the motivation needs to be, I want to glorify God through my response to my husband and how I honor him and how I encourage him and come um, and be a help meet to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's got to be because I want God to be glorified. Amen. And uh, how have you guys been able to uh, serve your church? Um, what are some of the different areas that you have been able to both, you know, uh, as, a, as a couple to be able to serve your church? Sure. That's a great question. We have, wow, well, I have a, a real heart for evangelism. 
I've done some park evangelism and in our area, it's cold in the winter. So (laughs) park evangelism is not the most effective thing. So several years ago, um, I got involved in jail ministry Mm -hmm. um, and Travis did it for a short time as well. Um, We didn't have as many men involved as we had women. So, um, and we were firmly rooted in our belief that we needed to go in in pairs Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes for a stronger, more, more cohesive way of being able to present the gospel. So as far as that goes, the, the general ministry part is my piece. But how we've always worked is that we are a team. Even if I'm going to the jail to go minister, my husband and kids are doing their part here at the house mm-hmm. um, to hold things down so that it's not just me going to the jail and my thing. It's all of us. My husband is active at church through ushering and through ministering to men. And I'm active through ministering to women in prayer um, and the jail. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And how have you uh, seen the Lord use those different areas to grow you spiritually and work in your own lives and your marriage as well. We've had some interesting times. We've had um, an opportunity to have someone live with us. Mm -hmm. Um, She was pursuing the Lord and was in a bad living situation. And so uh, we invited her to live in our home with us. And so that took a lot of teamwork and a lot of coordination to make sure that I'm around at the right times and that, you know, he's not home alone. And so um, a lot of scheduling and stuff, but even then um, his leadership to show her leadership of what it looks like to be head of a household. um, That was that was very helpful. He does a little bit of the financial help too. So he can help people with their balancing of their budgets. And so we, we just work together. We kind of tag team and we work together and those things only enrich our relationship, both with each other and with the Lord, because I get to watch him glorify God through like his care for other people. And then he gets to see um, a different side I stretch him probably and he stretches me. We have different ways that like, I'm like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I don't know. But, <laughs> but we both know that the other's heart is to serve the Lord and we're willing to do it. And mm-hmm. it always, uh, it doesn't always end with all smiles, mm-hmm. but um, at least not from a circumstance uh, ending, but mm-hmm. Um, it does end with us glorifying God and growing closer to him and trusting him more. Yeah. And looking at your own life and everything that the Lord has done in your life, um, what are you most grateful for? What are you most grateful for everything that the, from everything that the Lord has done in your life? Um, salvation sounds a little weird. I'm thankful that I had the sinful past I had. My husband has a very morally upright past and I have a very checkered past, but it's in that, that I have seen how the Lord changed me. Like if I was ever tempted to doubt, I know that the changes that happened to me, I would never have chosen for myself. Mm -hmm. 
thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful for how he's used my past. I was a bold person um, for sin and he's taken that boldness and he uses it for the gospel. I don't have a problem with approaching people and talking about God and not worried about if they reject me because I don't care. I want them to hear about who Jesus is. So I'm thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful for how God uses our sin uh, for his glory. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my church. And um, I'm thankful for his word. I'm thankful for the universal church for there's so much to be thankful Mm -hmm. for. What are some of the books that have been helpful in your own spiritual walk other than the Bible? Like Mm -hmm. anything you know, from the very beginning when you came to faith or even like in your own process of your walk with the Lord? Yeah. That's a great question. I um, actually have a stack. Um, <laughs> I like the gospel primer. If anybody's not read it, this is a, this is something. The person that was here before, I think that's the same one that she mentioned. Oh, it's I- <laughs> And I spiral bound the ones I use the most. So I see, right? I, I, I take them down and spiral bound. Piercing heaven. Oh. And every moment holy. Valley of the vision. Yes, those two. <laughs> I have the valley of the vision. And honestly, that's the same book. The, those are two of the books that she mentioned. The gospel pr- uh, primer and then valley of the vision. That's so amazing. That's fantastic. Valley of vision. Yes. And I think the other two I would mention is one, it's called Praying the Attributes of God. Mm. Um, I appreciated it because it was 31 days. It taught me how to pray acts. Um, and it gave you scriptures that you could use so that it, it just helped to, to train my mind right, to focus on the right things first and not just to get stuck into a rote prayer um, situation, but to really dwell on the scriptures and pray the scriptures to God and mm-hmm. pray them, you know, for and about people. And then probably the last book, which I recommend everyone read. It's very small, but it's called whether by life or by death. Mm-hmm. It's a very thin booklet. It was written by Julie Gossick and she wrote it while she was still alive, obviously. And she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a beautiful story um, of her life and how she loves God and how she used that in her dying. And while I'm not knowingly dying of anything, uh, we all are dying, but these things are so encouraging um, to be encouraged by uh, the saints that have gone uh, before us, even, even, um, contemporary, mm-hmm. um, not just the Puritans. So, yeah. And I know that you said things that you're grateful for before, but I do want to know <laughs> what are three things that brings you joy? Mm. Three. <laughs> <laughs> I narrow it down. Like you you're can only pick three. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. You're That's good. really funny. Um, <laughs> three things that bring me joy. Mm-hmm. God's word. My family. The gospel. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in the gospel. For anyone who will be listening to this or mm-hmm. maybe watching. Mm-hmm. And if they're not a believer, um, 
why is it that we continue to tell people, to share with people, come to Christ? You need Christ. Why do we keep saying, like repeating ourselves over and over and over and mentioning God's word? And really, why are we doing even this today? Like, you know, why are we sharing this story? And what is the step that they should be doing, you know, that's taking? So I think in our culture, we think we're all pretty good. And if we look around, um, I can always find someone I'm better than. I'm, I'm okay by my standard. Um, but it's not my standard that I'm going to be judged by. God is a good judge and he created me and he, he decides how he wants me to live. And I have chosen to rebel against him and he is, um, going to judge. He is going to judge and send those who have, um, rebelled against him to hell and we deserve it. The wages of sin is death. Our earnings, our paycheck for our sin, for our rebellion is death. And that's a guaranteed, but he is rich in mercy and he doesn't leave us there. He could just annihilate this entire planet, but he didn't for the foundation of the world. He determined that his son would come and he would live a perfect sinless life, which I am incapable of doing. And so are you and anyone else in this world. Mm -hmm. And he willingly went to the cross to die the death I deserved. He died. God poured out his wrath on Jesus. It says Isaiah 53, 10, that it pleased him to crush his son, pleased him. He hates sin that much that it pleased him to crush his own son. If I think for a minute that I'm going to get away with anything, if he's going to crush his son, he's going to crush me. So, um, no, none of us are going to get out of this, but it's his grace and his mercy. He sent Christ. He died in my place. He took my punishment, but he didn't stay in the grave. Three days later, he rose again bodily and he proved he was God. He defeated the sin and death and the devil and he sits in heaven and he, by his resurrection, that is my hope that one day when Christ comes back, he is going to resurrect me if I am dead. And he is going to give me a, a permanent physical body and I will dwell with him forever, forever and ever. And I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to, to look upon his face cannot wait to worship at his feet. It's not going to be clouds and harps. It's going to be beautiful. And it's going to be in his presence for all eternity. And um, so if there's anyone out there who hasn't um, humbled themselves and um, repented, turn from your sin and turn to Christ. Trust that what he did on the cross was sufficient to pay for your sin there's no sin that is too great that you can't be saved. Mm -hmm. Trust him. And he promises Ezekiel 36, 26, he'll take the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and cause you to walk in his ways. He'll change your desires. You'll no longer desire the things of this world. They will grow strangely dim. And the things of God 
will be precious. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that, uh, Lisa, with us. And uh, would you mind just closing us in prayer? It would be my joy. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, your kindness through Christ. I thank you for technology. I thank you for opportunities like this where we can share um, what you've done in our lives through your power, Lord, but also that we can share your gospel, that we can show we're just beggars showing other beggars where to get food and you allow us to do this. You could you could save people, but you choose to use us and we are instruments in your beautiful hands. And I pray, Father, that um, that this podcast, that you would bless it richly, Lord, that people would hear these testimonies and that they would consider their own fate, their own standing before you. Thank you for your grace and your kindness and your mercy. Thank you for Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening or watching our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would like to invite you to support us by leaving us a review. Let us know how you have been encouraged by each one of the stories that you have listened here. Also leaving us your feedback. You can also help by following us on social media on Instagram and Facebook or by liking or commenting on our post and also by sharing with your friends and family. Also, don't forget to subscribe on our podcast and YouTube channel. Another way that you can also help us is financially by visiting our Patreon page by going on the link here on the description.